What's up, y'all? This is DJ Plover here with Off the Record here at WKNC 88.1 FM HD1. We are a nonprofit uh, student-run radio station based out of North Carolina State University, and I am here today with, um, uh, how do you pronounce your name, sorry? Xavier Latorre. Awesome, and you're from the band Atria. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, um, well, I was I was born in Puerto Rico, and you know, in around 1989, I moved here to the states. And I'm going to give you the story of it. Basically, um, I remember around uh, 1987, uh, my neighbor gave me a tape. Uh, they were a very religious person, and a whole family, and they, he told me, hey, you know, here's this tape, I cannot have it at my house, my parents will not let me have it, and I looked at it, at that time I was a skater, I pushed play on that uh, tape player, and it was actually Nitzaret, and it kind of like blew my mind, you know, at that time I was listening to things like Joe Division, but um, nothing at that level of intensity and energy that they had. Um, so from there on, you know, I um, started making music around in the 1990s to 1992. I started making kind of uh, more into a dark wave sounds kind of tracks. Some of them were even 10 minutes long, um, kind of sounding like sometimes meditation instead of music. Um, at that time, the rave scene was very, very big. So I wanted something a little bit different than the wave scene, the rave scene, something a little bit more darker. Uh, but it wasn't until around maybe um, 1992 and above when I really got into more into the dark industrial music. Um, I remember um, my getting um, my um, virtual first um, uh, audio tracks uh, from my computer. Uh, back then it was called eMagic. Um, Imagic came around 1992. You know, it was a, it was a company called Sila from Germany. They used to make parts for a computer, but somehow they created this uh, music program out of nowhere, and I fell in love with it. Uh, at that time, it was kind of like $699, I believe. But for me, that was a lot of money. I mean, my first car was $600. Um, so we decided to get it. It used to come with a little dongle to, you know, to make it work, which it was impossible to crack. Uh, but anyways, um, eMagic came up and that kind of uh, opened my horizon into making more like uh, professional music. Uh, and then eventually, uh, back in the day, it was Pirate Bay they had the crack version and I was able to also get it for free doing that back then. Uh, don't do that anymore, but it was it was fun when they when it was in existence. Um, anyways, eMagic for those who doesn't know that uh, got bought by um, Apple and now it's what we call Logic, which is where I still use. Uh, once you start learning a music program, you kind of stick to it. And back then in the beginning of uh, the early 90s, when I started playing music, um, the main programs was eMagic and Pro Tools. Um, so I decided to go with eMagic. And like I say, once you learn it, you kind of stay with it because you spend so much time learning all those uh, softwares that um, it's, it's almost impossible to, be, impossible to be like, oh, okay, I'm tired of, of Logic. Let me go back to Pro Tools. And then that would be months and months of just learning just the basics. So to this day, you know, almost like, what, 30 something years later, I, st I still use eMagic or, or Logic that they call it right now. Um, 
but anyways, um, it was it was a real struggle, you know. Uh, even building my own computer, I had to find out parts of many different computers and put them together so I can have something. My music program can hold more than maybe five or six tracks be be before it starts like smoking and burning up. Um, but I, but we did it, you know. Um, I actually got a few friends um, at that time. The main one is um, Hafid Felix, which we still communicate and we still make music together. He's um, also part of this, uh, this journey we're doing with Adria or Adria. Um, he's, uh, he was from Mexico and when we came to United States, uh, we kind of met and we were a little bit of the outsiders. Um, it was a great, it gave me a great outside look into society coming from another country, not knowing the language, not knowing anything. So um, it was a beautiful thing. At the beginning, it obviously was scary and, and you know hard. It was very, very hard. But now that I'm older and I look back into it, it gave me that outsider perspective on everything, whether, whether it was social issues or, or politics or, or anything. And it was a, it was a view um, that shaped my music too, um, because I never belonged to any kind of specific group. I was always from the outside looking, looking in. But anyways, um, after having a hard time building those computers, we were able to finally, uh, we're still talking around 1993, 1994, we were able to get a Mac Pro Tower and that was like boom, boom. You know, now we could have 20, 25 tracks uh, without without getting the little thing that say, oops, you know, um, too slow. <laughs> so that was actually like a, a big game changer. So from 1993 to maybe 1996, that's when we went from a dark wave to more uh, to more industrial sounds. Um, I still have um, um, many, many tapes because they're still on tapes, um, music uh, from that era. Uh, from the early 90s that um, includes everything, meditation, um, jungle music. Um, I think we even make some reggae sounds, which I'm kind of going through all of those. And maybe um, I'm going to maybe master them more digitally and maybe put them out there one day. Um, so that's, that's something I kind of want to do too. I don't know if it should be with uh, Adria or it should be maybe a side project because there's just so much music. There are so much different styles, um, um, including just regular drums and bass guitars and regular guitar. We, we were into everything, basically. That's really so cool. um, I, 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 I know I definitely love to hear those on, on Atria or any yeah, platform in general. For sure. They're, they're just on tape at the moment. So they, they need some major work, some major work, you know. Uh, but we, we save all that stuff. And we're talking about we still have instruments. Uh, a lot of samplers are, are they still have the floppy disk on it. You know, back on the days in the late 80s and early 90s, a lot of the instruments came with floppy disks. So um, a lot of the music that we have are still in those things, you know, so they require some major work, but, but you know, we're working on it. Um, the first LP that I did out there, um, uh, Absoluto, um, the last song was a little bit different than the other ones. And I'm thinking from now on, the last one or two songs, I'm gonna have some of the older music just to throw in there, just to release it. That's a really um, cool idea. Yeah. But, um, you know, we use all kind of instruments all together, you know, from the TD3, which um, 
give us a little bit more of an acid base, a lot of Achaia course, Arturia scenes for sure. Um, from those, the Arturia synthesizers, um, I end up using the Mellotron, the OBX, and the June 6 the most. And they uh, all go through the Tascam that I got back here, uh, Mixer, Scarlet interface. And then for mastering, I personally rely in Logic, Isotope, and a lot of the Altaria software just to um, make that sound come a little bit more live. Um, but anyways, um, part of the, of the beauty of all of this is that even from 1990 to this day, you know, um, me and uh, Hafid Felix always, even though he's not here in Nashville anymore, he just moved to um, um, probably like two hours away from here, um, Charlotte. But um, we communicate, we have the same instruments, we have the same software, the same everything. So whatever I make a song or music, um, I send it to him and he adds, or take out whatever he thinks is not working and then he send it back to me and then I add more stuff and I take out more stuff and we do that on and on until we create a song that we like, we both like and and we go for it, you know. Um, right now he's working in new song too. I haven't heard it, but he told me he's, you know, halfway done. So I cannot wait to like get my hands on it. Um, uh, so we've been doing that since, since the early 90s and to this day, you know, maybe it was a year ago, we started talking and we were like, we have this massive collection of music and sounds. Uh, what are we going to do with it? You know, every time I wanted to hear some of my songs from like a long time ago, the early 90s, I, I Sometimes I upload them on, on SoundCloud and I have to go to SoundCloud just to listen. And I was like, this is too much, you know, I want my music to be on um, everywhere. So that way, anywhere I am, I could just be like, I want to hear this song, boom, and there it is. And that's how we kind of started. We were like, okay, well then let's put them together into an LP. Let's start um, releasing some singles. And, and that's how we kind of formed. Um, um, and here we are, you know, doing that, exactly that. Um, so we're, I'm excited about it too. Um, coming with a new album uh, very soon. We have six or seven songs already um, ready to go. So I want to add a few more and, and, and that's it. Nice. You know, that's, that's the story of it. Um, you, uh, is Ojo Serpiente going to be the single? Is that the single off the project? What is it? Is Ojo Serpiente the single off that project? Is that kind of teasing what the album? Yes, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be one. And I did send you guys two two new ones that nobody have heard either. And uh, those are gonna be in there. This new one uh, is gonna be called the LP is gonna be Total or Total, and it's gonna be a lot a lot harder than the first one. Um, for some reason that is just, we just make music. We don't really say, oh, well, let's make it a lot harder. Uh, it just, it just automatically came into fruition, fruition that way, you know? But um, when I sit down and I started listening to them, um, I realized I was like, wow, this, this album is just gonna be intense, a lot more intense. And it's just, it's just by luck. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't by purpose, you know, you, I usually, when I try to make music, I start making my own beats, I'm making everything, and then it just progresses from there. I never really know exactly where I'm gonna go. Um, and sometimes it stays on my computer for months before I finally do work on it. And then it is something totally different from what I started from. Um, um, my wife, Natalia, always make fun of me because, you know, sometimes I'm working in the studio for a long, long time and, you know, 
I only have like 40 seconds of, of something. Um, but that is also because uh, we make every single beat, we make every single sound. There is the, there's, I, I would like to say there's no sampling, but there is, there's a few voices that we use from black and white movies here and there on, on, on not all the songs, but a lot of the songs. But everything else is is made by us, um, and I I'm talking about every drum, uh, kick, every snare, every every everything. You know, it's just one by one to put everything together. So sometimes I spend you know hours and days into just making one single beat, and that beat is created with 12 or 13 tracks, you know, because everything is separated individually, just in case I want to take out things or put back things, I can do that. Uh, with sampling, uh, with taking samples out there, you you cannot do that, you know, it's just the beat is a complete section. Now, there's there's other bands out there, like uh, Boards of Canada and uh, Future Sound of London, that basically almost the entire song is made by sampling other songs, and they create so much dif different effects on top of that, layer after layers effect that becomes something else. And that is a different kind of form of art, you know, to create that. Uh, but I like, the, I like to create everything from scratch um, because it gives me the feeling of like, you know, nobody can get this except right here. <laughs> You know, so it, it takes me longer. It takes me longer. For sure. Uh, how did you kind of decide a cutoff point for like your LP and your, like your EP? Because you have so many tracks in your hard drive. You're like, how am I going to, yeah, right, why usually, are these five than this one? I, I usually try to do a little bit more than 10 or anywhere from eight to, to 13 is my, is my goal. Um, but really, I, I'm not bound to any of that. Sometimes I think my first one was only uh, four songs. I have I, I, most of them, except for maybe two, was released already on as a single. Uh, right now, we have I think six or seven already done. So I'm thinking maybe four or five more, and maybe if I have time, also um, some of the old stuff. You know, um, maybe maybe a jungle song at the end or something. You know. That because we do have a few, <laughs> a few of those, um, but um, I don't have I don't have a specific um, number. You know, I think uh, once once I look at it, I'd be like, this this feels good. You know, I kind of go by intuition more like anything else. Um, what exactly brought you to Asheville specifically as a as a city? Well, I grew up in Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico, believe it or not, looks just just like Asheville, you know, we have our mountains, we have our rivers, um, except for the beach, you know, we have almost everything else. It's very, it's super tropical island. And, you know, growing up there um, on the on the countryside, all you wanted to do is move to the city, you know. Um, unfortunately, I have kids and I have learned that no matter how you teach your kids or, or you know, guide your kids, kids eventually they're going to rebel from whatever it is that you're doing so I was like I want to go I want to go to the city the city so I moved when I was 15 uh, my parents actually moved with me but once I turned 17 my parents went back to Puerto Rico and I just stay with this in the states by myself and um, uh, because I wanted to be in a bigger city uh, but then back when maybe in my 30s um, when I started having kids too, I started thinking, you know, I kind of want my kids to grow up the same kind of way I did. 
Um, I don't know if that is a great idea or not, but that's what I was feeling at the time. So I started Googling, Googling on mountains and rivers and music and Asheville kept coming up, coming up, coming up. So I decided just to go for it. I never have been in Asheville, never have seen Asheville. I just move um, with my kids and everything, you know, thinking, okay, it's just gonna work. And, and, and it did, I would love it over here. Um, I think now my kids are teenagers now, so they kind of probably want to go back to the city because obviously they were growing up just like me in the country. And it's just like a cycle that happens like that. But, um, but um, you know, I, I love the mountains. I love uh, the country now. Um, um, I end up actually the first time I moved here, I moved to Asheville uh, right there in the middle of the city. Uh, for a few months and I kind of hated it. You know, I was in the country, I was in Asheville, surrounded by mountains, but it was still a lot of people. There was still a lot of noise. And then from Asheville, I moved now to Canada, which is only like maybe 20 something minutes away from Asheville, but enough to be a little bit away from everything. You know, I like to just walk outside my house and, and not be bothered with neighbors or anything like that. So, um, you know, to answer your question in a very short form, the, the reason I choose Asheville is just because it, um, it kind of reminds me of my hometown in, um, in Puerto Rico. That's really cool. Um, do, is there any part of like the Asheville uh, local music scene that you like or have, have explored? You know, um, there, there are a few bands out there that I do like, um, but not too many, not too many. Um, I do like, but don't get me wrong. Um, I, I do love uh, a little bit of the country music here in Nashville, um, uh, what they call uh, bluegrass, basically, um, uh, or, or Appalachian music. I, I do love it just because it has that, most of it has that very fast beat too, that it just blows my mind. How can you can play the banjo that fast? It's just unbelievable, you know? And there is a lot of bands in here that takes that, that sound and makes it into almost like a punk kind of version of it and and i love it it's it's it's, it's amazing the, the way they they can do all that um but um but you know there's not there's there's not nothing industrial <laughs> there i think i might be the first one so um so most of the time, you know, when I came to Asheville, I went to every single festival, every single music, anything out there. And I just, I, I guess maybe I just overloaded myself with it. And now I just want to step back a little bit and just create my own. Yeah, I was really I was surprised because I found y'all um, looking through Bandcamp, searching for by city. And I, and I saw Asheville and Industrial on the same like tag. And that was that was really cool. Oh, to thank see. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, um, another aspect of our music, too, is, um, you know, industrial music. It really started in the mid-70s. Uh, by, the, by the early 80s, there was already Nitsarev and From 242. But, uh, um, you know, in the mid-70s and even late 70s, bands like DAF was already really into industrial sounds. Or, or, so it's, it's a... It's a gene that has been around for a little while. They used to call it back then um, electric body music. Uh, that was the term that they used to use. But um, <clears throat> it is it is something that I kind of want to bring back. And I'm not really into bringing back the new form of, of industrial music. I kind of want to bring back the classic where you have 
maybe a, a baseline that it was the same from the beginning to end. It never even changed. Oh, the drum beat never changed. The only thing that changed throughout the whole song was um, the lyrics. You know, everything was just very robotic from beginning to end. And, um, and you know, also here, my wife uh, is been pushing me very, very hard to make an LP with uh, a lyrics on it, with voice on it. And I'm considering it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm fighting in my mind this idea of once I put a lyric into a song, it becomes those lyrics. You know, if the lyrics are sad, then the song is sad. If the lyrics are happy, then the song is kind of happy. But when you have just an instrumental, um, which there are not that many out there anymore, um, maybe there's a reason why, maybe they don't sell on that. <laughs> I'm in a lost world. But anyways, when you have it as an instrumental, uh, the music becomes whatever you're feeling at that moment. Uh, you could listen to the same song I'm listening at the same time. Uh, for me, it could be anger because I feel anger that that moment for you could be sad or, or happy because you feel happy or, or uh, happy or sad at that moment. Um, so I like, I like making a lot of instrumental uh, songs just because it gives the listeners full control of how you want the song to be at that specific moment instead of if you put some lyrics on it then the song becomes those lyrics um something to think about i do i do know that if i put lyrics on my on my songs they're probably gonna sound or be a little bit better you know just because it, it creates that very also classic industrial sound too um like back on the days where they're, um, I, I would not say singing, there was more like yelling into the, into the song. But at the same time, then it will take away from the ability to have a instrumental that becomes whatever the, the, uh, the person who's listening to um, becomes uh, whatever they're feeling at the moment. So it's something I'm struggling with too. For sure, yeah, that instrumental always has more open to interpretation, yeah. Um, have you all ever played live or is that something that you kind of focus on? No, no, actually not, not with, not, not with Adria, you know, uh, we, we did at one point, we were very close in, you know, to play at a, what should I call it, um, in high school in one of those battles of the bands back mm -hmm. on the day, back on the day too, but we, we never really, we got, I, I remember that time we were almost about to do it. So I got all these, uh, but the, at that time I had, a, I was working with a chord sampler and I have all these sounds that I was, I was just distorting and creating these long sounds and, and you know, 10 minutes long tracks, uh, but, but never at the end, we never did it. So we, we have never actually played live. Um, uh, something I'm not against either, uh, but obviously I want to at least establish uh, two or three LPs before I consider going live. You know, right now my songs are around three and a half to maybe four minutes. Um, so I, I, you know, I need, I need some collections before I go out there. So I can have at least an hour, an hour and a half of nonstop music. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned uh, 10 minute songs multiple times. Uh, is there anything kind of different about like making a 10 minute song versus like a three minute song for you? Well, yes, um, you know, uh, it is when you make back on the days when we were into the the dark wave sounds you know it was more like an ambient an atmospheric feeling uh, almost like a uh, lost mode um 
you know, something you created that takes you into a journey. And when you do it, three minutes of that is way too short. You know, sometimes you need five or six minutes of just repetition so you can get into that, that feeling of emerging into it. So for, for dark wave sounds and, and that kind of era in the early 90s, we were working with that, you know, longer songs were, were essential. You know, um, now, now we don't, especially with the style that Atria is working right now. And on top of that, especially since we don't have vocalists on it, you know, you have to have quite a lot of changes. Um, something i also struggle because i want to i want to keep it very very basic like the beginning of industrial and to keep it like that you cannot have too many changes you know but at the same time see there is no lyrics you have to have a little bit of changing because nowadays i feel like people are so used to uh you know the modern or the way that music is made you know with the you know four little tracks at first and then you have your chorus and then go back you know and um, I'm a little bit afraid that if I make it real classic industrial, it would be quite boring, you know, because it would be the, the same baseline and the same beat from beginning to end uh, without lyrics. Uh, once you put lyrics in there, then you then you have the illusion of this the, the song is changing, but it's actually just the vocals that is changing because the beat and the bass back on the old classic was the same from beginning to end. But unfortunately, since I don't have a vocalist, I have to have to keep everybody a little bit more entertained. Nice. Um, is there any kind of one artist that inspired this um, uh, project of yours? Um, well, you know, not, not really. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I grew up to listening to Joe Division, Nisaret, Front 242, um, Skinny Poppy, uh, my life with the Thrill Cold. I grew up with that era, and that era used a lot of uh, synthesizers and a lot of um, um, hardcore sounds. Um, but um, like I say, um, when we started making music, it was very different from industrial, you know, and and it just it just evolved that way almost naturally, um, you know. We, we make a sound, we make a song, and then sometimes after spending months on a song, you could be like, eh, don't, you know, whatever, don't like it. Uh, but then I started noticing that every time I make some kind of industrial style, I was like, oh, I really like this, let me save it. And then another one would come more industrial, oh, I really like this, let me save it. And then I started realizing that industrial sounds were the ones that I kind of, um, Guide, guided myself more into it. So I decided not to waste too much time in other music that after putting hours upon hours, I could be like, nah, didn't work. I decided just to concentrate on the ones that I kind of knew I gonna end up being more happy with it. Um, unfortunately, with a full-time job um, as a teacher and, as, and also as a family man, time is very limited and very important. So I kind of tried to go with something that I pretty sure I'm gonna like at the end. And that ended up to be more the industrial, the industrial side. Nice. Uh, what does Atria mean by the way? 
It doesn't really have a meaning, you know, I grew up, I would say, uh, I would not say I was, I'm still um, deep inside anarchist, so I wanted something that had an A on it, yeah. uh, so that's the A came about, and then the and then I started playing with symbols and I realized that if I put a T in the middle, the A almost looks like an anarchist symbol. If you put a circle around it and then, but I cannot call myself a T, you know, and then I started playing with just, just letters and Adria came about. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I, I really like your like gear kind of very minimalist album covers. Those are those are really nice. Um, the song that we make are also kind of like that. They're, they're, I, well, it's, it's funny. Let me tell you this because um, I like to make my songs full. You know, every time I make a track, sometimes they're like 25, 27, 30 tracks. Um, sorry, I didn't mean it that way. Every time I try to make a song, I end up having like so many tracks, up to 30 tracks, and then when I send it to my friend, Hafid Felix, to like, um, maybe master them or tell me what, what you know, he he takes out like half of them. <laughs> you know, he's, he's very minimalistic. He's always telling me that a song should have no more than 10 tracks. And I'm like, 10 tracks, I need that minimum just to have a beat, not even sound, just a beat, I need 12 tracks. But anyway, so we always argue about that. Um, so Atria is, I think it's a very great collaboration of, if you hear almost every, every single song you have, many parts are very, very minimum. Uh, a lot of the parts are just the bass and the, and, and the trumpet, that nothing else, you know, and maybe a tiny little bit of sound on the background. And then also in the same song, usually by the end or sometimes at the beginning or in the middle, it doesn't really matter there is like a bombardment of tracks. And that's usually me and my section that my friend did not clean up <laughs> and let me have, you know. So, and also, you know, I, I did grow up in the late 80s and early 90s with those kind of music that was like, you know, skinny puppies, for example, you know, they have so many, so many sounds going in all at once. And I kind of did like that. So I tried to incorporate both of them. I tried to incorporate the basic minimalistic of early industrial sounds. And at the same time, incorporate a lot of sounds into the song to make it more danceable or just more fuller or, or just because that's the way I kind of grew up listening to music. So I kind of like it like that. Um, um, my goal is to create music that makes you want to get up and do something, whether it is to destroy something or to build something. Um, I want to create that energy that you need to get off that sofa, get off that chair, get off of whatever you're doing and just go for it. So it, it, it needs to have um, that, that sound of energy and also uh, being able to dance because uh, is for me it's very important to have something to dance with. When I listen to songs that I cannot dance, I am always like, well, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, it's kind of nice and everything. Um, the only ones that I kind of like is our meditation. Obviously, I put oh, I always put some meditation before I go to bed because um, I just like those sounds, you know, even back when I was, I was 17 years old, you know, I was making those meditation sounds. So it's just always been with me. So I guess I take back the fact that I say that, you know, music that doesn't involve dancing, I cannot handle. But, um, but I'm talking about 
other other aspects of music, you know, no no meditation. You, you gotta have a dance aspect to it. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to uh, tell us about the album? Uh, do you have like a, a potential date for it dropping? No, but it, it will be soon. I, I'm thinking maybe a month or two months from now will be released. Um, right now, there is a lot of materials that involve a, a lot of times. Making music is, is very, very fun for me. Um, mastering is what I struggle with. Um, so, you know, I sometimes I spend days trying to master something and it sounds super nice on my speakers. I take it to my car or some other people's speakers. I'm like, oh man, you know, the, the highs are too high, the lows are too low. So I have to go back and rearrange everything again. Uh, so, so it takes a little bit of time and, and I want to do at least four more songs into the album. So once those songs are done, um, then I will release it. So I'm thinking anywhere from a month to two months, I'll be able, I'll be able to do that. And like I say, this one is going to be a lot harder, a lot, a lot better. You know, you have to listen, listen it now and listen it loud. Yeah, I'll definitely do both those things, and it'll probably be on WKNC. I, I, oh, I perfect, perfect. Yeah, like I say, I did send you so those two songs that is coming also for the new album. Those ones I might release as a single very soon also but um you guys are the first one awesome um is there anything else you wanted to talk about by the way no no you know i i do appreciate um uh wknc for giving me this opportunity uh, and talk about um how atria came came about and, and i really appreciate that you guys uh keeping it right here in north carolina of course we, we love your stuff we love local artists in general um that's all good. I'm going to do a quick outro and then should be good to go. All right. Well, thank you. Um, this has been Atria with Plover on WKNC. Um, if you want to hear more from us, you can go to wknc.org slash podcast and click on off the record for more uh, great artist interviews just like this one. Catch you on the flip side.